This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now. You will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that's what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. You've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now. You will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now. You will weep and mourn. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that's what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Give everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, don't ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace through Jesus. Amen. Here's what you should be expecting, and here's what you should be expecting, because I preached this way before, and I don't think I could have ever been more wrong, and it's a source of some embarrassment to me. You should be bracing yourself for a sermon that goes something like this. If you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, then you should Blessed are you, says Jesus, when? The problem is that Jesus isn't shooting on anyone. Everything in this reading, and I'm from southern Indiana, I'm I'm not an English scholar, but everything in this reading is in what's called the indicative mood, present and future indicative. Uh, An example, I was reminded on Friday night, Friday night Walter Cronkite would have been 100 years old. Most famous indicative line of all time, he finished the CBS anchor every night by saying, and that's the way it is. Jesus says in this reading today, this is the way it is. Blessed are. Not will be, not should be, are. Blessed are the poor. Wow. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are you who weep. Blessed are those who are despised. Blessed are you. Woe to you who are. Not if. Not when. 
Blessed are you who are. Woe to you who are. All indicative the way it is. The only exception in the whole reading, uh, a four-word exhortation, rejoice and be glad. That's your only response. Rejoice and be glad because this is the way it is. And I want to suggest at least that it's a lot easier to rejoice and be glad regardless of which one of those categories you are in when you understand that it really doesn't depend on you. It's just the way it is. This is the way Jesus thinks it is. He's not exhorting them. He's not encouraging them to become blessed. This is a statement about how Jesus thinks the world works, about the kingdom of God, about the way life is right now, and you can take comfort in this, and ever shall be. Now, you, you clearly have a, have a little voice in the back of your head somewhere that is the, the essence of this series that we're in about questions that Scripture provokes. You surely have a question like this, really? I mean, what kind of pension program do the poor have? How much do the poor spend on political campaigns? Where do the hungry actually eat? How is it that they get their fill? Where are those who are grieving going to spend Christmas this year? What's it feel like when people hate you, exclude you, build a pipeline through your yard? You cannot get elected in this country by turning the other cheek. Let's get real. There's another word in this country for those who love their enemy. Suckers, losers. We hear so much about values today as if we have to create those values, legislate those values, impose those finals. But these are the kingdom's values. This is the way the world is, God's world. Those who mourn, they are comforted. That's how all of us get blessed when we mourn. The merciful receive mercy. That's how we're all blessed. The pure in heart, they actually see God. The peacemakers are called children of God. The kingdom of God belongs to the poor, and they know it. When people persecute you or revile you because you love God, you love your neighbor as yourself, you're actually blessed. The poor in spirit and those who hurt and those who grieve and those who cry and those who are alone and those who can't feed their kids and those who have an incurable disease and those who've lost their homes to unemployment or hurricanes or wars. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Wow. That's how we are all blessed. Now, if if any of those are you, and I'll be really clear, when, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's looking people in the eye and he's got all these categories right in front of his face. Let's not assume that that there aren't poor and hungry and grieving people among us right now in this space. I can assure you that every name that was spoken, there is someone whose heart was broken. And if any of those are you, blessed are you. Rejoice. Be glad. So here's the question. I, I know some, some meek, hungry, poor in spirit, poor in heart, persecuted people. I know some of those people. And blessed isn't the first word that comes to mind when I describe them. I think it would do all of us some good to chew on that for a little while. About why that is. 
and what that means for us and for a nation and for a world. Why doesn't our definition of blessed match with the way Jesus says it? Why doesn't our definition of woe match with the way Jesus says it is? Which leads me to really the only other thought that I want to share today, and you've heard this before. Somewhere in the evolution of the English language, we lost the ability to distinguish between second person singular and second person plural. That is, the word you sounds exactly like you. And so when you hear Jesus say, blessed are you, which one is he talking about? Plural or singular? Now our bias, our bias as Americans is is singular, individualist. But in the Greek, it's plural. It's not you, it's you. And that's probably a good point, I think, to repeat on All Saints Sunday. If you're from New Orleans or North Carolina or anywhere else in the South, you say, blessed are y'all. If you're from Pittsburgh, blessed are yuns. If you're from Jersey, blessed are yous. If you speak Spanish, vosotros, bendito son vosotros. Love your enemies. Good, do good to, to those who hate y'all, who hate yuns, who hate yous, who hate vosotros. So the last thing a sermon on... This Sunday ought to be is something that encourages you, singular, to go out and do anything, be anything other than the way it is. And the way it is is the kingdom of God. And Jesus is speaking to a community. His words were saved and and shared by a community of people and now read in a community of people. And admittedly, the first time they said, I don't think they get it. They, they don't. Right, right through the crucifixion, watching Jesus take everything that the world can dish out, nail him to a cross, and mock him as he breathes his last breath. I don't think there's a single person there that says, oh, blessed Jesus. They don't get it, and the last thing on their mind is, blessed are you when people hate you and revile you and defame you. And then Jesus rises from the dead, the great reversal. And he appears risen from the dead, never to just one person, but always to a group, always to them together. And then the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost gathers them together and enlightens them and empowers them and sends them. And they finally, at that moment, filled with the Spirit, that's when they get it. And they quickly learn that that they can cope with a lot more if they are surrounded by a group of supported and loving sisters and brothers who tell them and remind them that they are God's beloved and tell them the precious story of Jesus risen from the dead and tell them that nothing is ever going to separate them from the love of God, reminding them that that's the way that really is and blessed are you. Hunger and grief and persecution and poverty are different when you are not alone, when you're part of a community, you can turn the other cheek if there are people standing with you to wipe your cheek and massage your shoulder and take some of the blows themselves from time to time. You can be meek when those around you who are, are strong, you, you, you can be sorrowful, you can shed tears openly when you are surrounded by those who understand and who will cry with you. You can give away your shirt. You can give away your coat when there are people who are standing there to wrap you in a blanket when you're done. I want to get very practical about this for just a moment. We're baptized 
into the body of Christ, what we call the communion of saints. And that's what we're doing today. We're remembering this extravagant claim of baptism, and we're at our 1115 worship, baptizing into the body of Christ. And you can't miss it when those names are read, when those bells are told. We are not in this alone. And if we were, we would never make it. There's no such thing as a solo Christian. It's not about what you, singular, believe. It's not about you and Jesus. There's no such thing as a personal Savior. We are absolutely dependent, all of us, on God, yes. And on the people of God, the saints, those around us, and all those who have gone before us. It is never about you. It's always about you. Now, those who have been at Lord of Life a long time might know this, but other than Holy Week, which is what, like, you know, Super Bowl for pastors, the week when we, we celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ, the great three days, other than Holy Week, my favorite festival in a church year is today. All Saints Sunday. If it was up to me, I'd rename it WWW Accepting All Saints Sunday. Tell you a little story. Every year, my mother calls Friday or Saturday and says, Jimmy, tomorrow is All Saints Sunday, as if I didn't know that. (laughs) And she says, they're going to read your dad's name in worship tomorrow. My dad's been dead 15 years, but it's a tiny little church, and they just read everybody's name every year. If you're living, you remember somebody's name, that's that's what they, they do. Can you come over? high moment of my sabbatical last year was to go sit in a little church with my mama and speak my dad's name out loud in a company of the saints. See, we're never alone. Uh, We're always blessed. We're the church. And it's tempting to go it alone, to insulate ourselves, separate ourselves, which, by the way, is the way of the rich and the powerful and those whose lives are full and busy. A whole lot of rich, happy people are surprised to suffer and hurt and hunger, which is why Jesus says, woe. All Saints Sunday reminds me of the way it really is, that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, present and eternal, the saints of God. And if we are going to resist the seduction of power and of wealth and a hard-hearted world all around us, if we are going to follow the example of Jesus, we're going to have to do it in the company of the saints, in the company of those who have gone before us and in the company of those who are right here, right now, who profess the name of Jesus and bless one another. And so... Today, as we remember those who have been baptized this past year and those who have claimed the promise of their baptism and now live with Jesus, we are reminded that it is here in a company of saints where the blessings have been and are and ever shall be. Blessed are you. Rejoice and be glad. Amen.